Bloody Elbow presents the Hey Not The Face podcast, the show that brings you the business side of combat sports, including contract review, financial analysis, fighter pay issues, and more. Hey Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, John S. Nash, joined by his producer, Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to Hey, Not the Face! With your host, John Nash, and your producer, me, Steffi Haynes. And today, we are going to look at what John's dream solutions for fixing boxing and MMA might be. John, how the hell are you? Good, good. I have a little friend here today with me. She's uh, she's going to help me record this episode or really, really distract me. One of the two. We'll find out. Would that be your new cat? It's not, it's not my cat. It's Isla. But yes, it's a cat. It's not mine, though. But uh, apparent, well, maybe. I mean, I I'm, I have to do everything for it. But yes, it's not mine. Listeners, this is his cat. This ex-girlfriend of his or current girlfriend or whatever you want to term them left this cat with him in January and he still has it. This is his cat. If you agree, leave us a note in the comments. It's his cat. <laughs> And if you do agree, I'm going to block you. <laughs> he won't know. Just just sign in with a, a different account and just put I, your I, thing. I don't even know how to respond to the re- reply to the comment section yet. I'm still working on that. The, <laughs> the Substack stuff's very confusing to me. So, John, I have a question. We recently watched Canelo Alvarez fight a mandatory, of all things, and make $33 million. Now, we said that you, we were going to give your dream solutions for fixing boxing and MMA. So let's go ahead and start with boxing. What are the major problems afflicting boxing? I mean, Canelo just made $33 million. Is boxing that broken? Well, I, I guess from your point, people's point of view, the general the, uh, people always argue that boxing is broken because we don't get the fights we want to see. Uh, the, the, we don't get the big fights. There's some truth to that. Even the Canelo one. I mean, John Ryder was a mandatory, so he made some money, but was he really the, the best, the number one challenger in that weight division? There's some questions that, and it all goes to the sanctioning organizations. The, the problem, the major problem with boxing, all bubbles down to the sanctioning organizations. People want to blame. You see always these articles written, like the problem with boxing, and they talk about the promoters and the, and the broadcasters, but those entities, by by design and purpose, they're there to make money for themselves. Broadcasters are there to get ratings for their, their network. Promoters are there to make money for themselves. In fact, they're in an adversarial position with the fighters. That's legally they're considered an adversarial position. They want to pay fighters as little as much and keep as much money. So their purpose is not the health of the sport. But the entity that if you read their bylines, you read the purpose behind them, that is supposed to look out for the health of the sport, that are supposed to be objective and uh, and and not and not have favoritism or anything like that are the sanctioning organizations, but the sanctioning organizations I think fail miserably at their job. What they're intended to do is they're intended to be by purpose and legally is to be objective in their ratings. 
In other words, rate people where they're based objectively through data, through just uh, objective observation, rate them, and then, and then have guidelines about what is required of their champions. But they don't really do that. And so you get this problem where they do it sometimes, and it, it, the idea that because there's an independent ranking and an independent title, that's very beneficial to the boxers because they can own the, they can own the title they can use it for leverage to get more money, right? As we see with Canelo, with other boxers, we can see that's why the top boxers make so much more than the top MMA fighters. They're not forced to sign with the promoters to get a chance to fight for the title. I mean, sometimes they are, but there's rules against that with the Ali Act. But because of those sanctioning organizations, they don't stick 100%. You see a lot of boxers get screwed over. They, they have to sign with a promoter that knows how to work the system and bribe the sanctioning organization. They they don't get the, they don't get ranked as high as they wanna, and also because some guys know how to play the system and how to pay off the sanction organizations, sometimes you get boxers who get a title, and then are not required to defend it, and so guys that are waiting for their opportunity for the title shot because and have spent their life and the title shot is where they can get their more renown and make more money, they're left hanging because they don't get the title shot. In fact, we kind of saw that with the. Uh, can Canelo, where he didn't defend his titles for a while, and they gave him a waiver. We see that with you know, there's the Fury kind of. There's there's no obligation for him to defend it. They're not making them because it happens. It really hurts some boxers, and so that to me is the biggest problem. Is that the sanctioning organizations, the people that are supposed to make boxing a sport, everybody else, it's prize fighting for the promoters. It's prize fighting for the broadcaster for the fighters. They're there just to make money. The sanctioning organization's job is to, to put some sort of structure in the sport that you can rise through the ranks. The best then can rise to become a mandatory or whatever to the top of the ratings. And that when you're the champion, you have obligations to defend and they don't enforce that. And that to me is the number one problem in boxing. I have a question for you, sir. Fire away. Step aside money. Is that a boon or a hindrance to boxing? And, and please well, explain what step-aside money is. Well, what step-aside money is, is let's say you have a fighter and you have uh, an opponent that's been declared a mandatory by the sanctioned organization. So you're you're the champion. A, a opponent has been declared a mandatory. You have to defend within a certain number of months against this opponent or you're going to lose your title. Or they're going to declare also or a, a purse bit. But you don't want to fight them because you have another bigger fight that you can do. And maybe that guy is just not a big enough draw. You can go to that fighter and say, we're going to pay you some money to step aside for now as a mandatory. So you're not the man. We don't have to defend against you immediately. And I can do this other fight. Now, the I, it's a boon in some ways because it is beneficial that if there's a big fight, a big money fight, and you you it helps fighters in the sense that they can have big money fights, they make more money. It also helps in the sense that big money fights probably draw more fans and grow the sport. And stepping aside and paying a, another opponent a step-aside fee can be good for them because they make money. And sometimes There's some guys because who actually make a living out of that, getting the step-aside money. And, and many of them often think that I'm – some of them are people that they assume would never beat the champ. But because the fight would sell so little, it's better for everybody if he gets paid off. But I think as much as I think step-aside kind of it, – it has a purpose – I think there has to be a limit to it, like a, a one-time step aside or something, because the, the the problem with it is boxers will do whatever they can never to defend the title. 
and they'll stretch it out because they also going to threaten the opponent. If you don't take the step aside money, I don't want to fight you. I'm going to just, I'm going to relinquish the belt. And because that fighter with the title is the one that generates all the money, the other fighter is just going to kind of says, okay, I'll keep accepting the step aside because I don't want to go into, you know, some sort of tournament mode or whatever to crown the new, the new title. And also whoever I fight afterwards, there's no money going to be involved. You're the guy that generates the money. So there's the, there is that it's it's but i i see its purpose in some ways because you do sometimes want to make big fights but you know i guess when we get down further and what my dream scenario is i'll talk about what i would do about that but for now I, I would like to cap the amount of time you can do a step aside i mean i think you have an obligation you have to defend against the mandatory eventually there's a good scenario of this that i was wondering if you could break down for us and that's george cambosos jr could you talk about him and step aside money and how he did not did he did not step aside yes oh yeah yeah well george cambosos jr the aussie he, he was he was the mandatory and, and really well we should get in this is actually kind of a, a plot by him and uh, Teofimo mm -hmm. Lopez. Exactly. Right? Exactly. The, the, they had a thing where Teofimo Lopez was, Cambosos was declared the mandatory uh, and top rank was not interested in the fight, but they, Teofimo Lopez's team and Cambosos team kind of colluded, I guess is the right way to say, to force it that there was no the negotiations couldn't get settled to have the fight or to pay him off or step aside. So it went to a purse bid. And because it went to a purse bid, Triller bid a huge amount of money. And so that was their ploy to make because they knew Triller had the money and they were going to get a huge amount of money. But then Triller ended up not being able to carry out the fight for because a bunch of reasons, because they're incompetent, but also because of the COVID pandemic and the, that fell through but they got a big chunk of the money that uh, the 20 percent that triller had to set aside went to them so they made money on it and then it went to the next bid as well which was uh which was uh, top rank and so they did they did eventually have that fight but because cambosis refused the step aside money which was i think part of the ploy with theofima i don't think they really wanted it but because of that he ended up getting a shot at the title as a mandatory uh, even though he wasn't a, a big name at the time, there were other bigger names. He got a chance, the mandatory, got this big money, and he won the belt and upset Teofimo Lopez. And he got even more money when he defended against Devin Haney. Wow. What are the major problems with MMA? Well, in many ways, MMA is kind of the flip side of the coin. The, the major problems with MMA is we have promotional titles in MMA. The, there's no there's no independent bodies with titles and rankings. So the promoter controls those. And we know through the history of boxing, and we also know from the hearings, the LA Act and everything, is that that leads to monopoly in the industry. Promoters, because they can they can force you to sign course of contracts with them to get title shots, they can line up and basically force a, a division, all the top fighters in one weight class, to sign under them. And then they're all signed exclusive contracts with that promoter. So although the promoter even has more leverage because not only did you have to give up your rights to get a chance at the title, so now but now you win the title, the next guy has to give up his rights to fight for the title. And so it suppresses wages, it limits the leverage that the fighters have, and that's what we have in MMA. So we're in boxing, the problem is the sanctioning organizations don't follow the guidelines, and so you have this kind of corrupt system. The reverse is we have this, the promoters own the titles, and they they have the, the ability to set up the fights 
that the fans want to see and get the, the big fights made, but they're big fights for the promoter. The boxer, the fighter, in this case, the MMA fighter, is cut out of the revenue generated because they have to get, concede all the rights to get into that promotion. All right, I have a question. Fire away. <laughs> you mentioned corruption a lot with boxing. Is there corruption on that scale in MMA? Well, in, in some ways, but it, we don't need corruption in MMA. In, in boxing, because you're forced, there's legal law separating a promoter and a sanctioned organization have to have a separation between them. A promoter cannot compensate a sanctioned organization. There's separation. Uh, you need corruption to influence the sanctioned organizations. You have to bribe them. You have to do all this other stuff. Since a promoter owns their own title, there's no collusion. There's no bribery because the promoter can just say, I'm not going to give you a title fight, even though you deserve it, because I own that title. So you, because you cut the, 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 the collusion necessary in boxing, the bribery necessary, it's, it's been cut out because we cut out the middleman. The promoter owns it. So, yeah, in MMA, I would say we don't have that kind of corruption, but it's because it's unnecessary because the promoter already has the power to do to even do more than they do in boxing because they don't even have to bribe it and yet they can they can screw people over step over them on the man there's no such thing as a mandatory there's you know there's none of those things they can determine whoever they want to fight is there corruption in other senses outside of you know the sanctioning organizations with mma well i i do think there you could argue that there's corruption with the managers uh, because as we've talked before, managers serve as brokers. Now, there's there's also corruption, boxing managers and stuff. We've long history. There's mob influence. You know, we have uh, Daniel Kinahan and in, in influence, but he's also influencing MMA. But in MMA, the the corruption is is again more underhanded. It's not directly. Mm -hmm. It's more of a quid pro quo, in that a manager, even though he's supposed to as a fiduciary duty to look out for the best interest of his fighter often doesn't look out for the best interest because his best interest is taking care of his buddy, the promoter, who has all the power. And so, yeah, you could argue that's a form of corruption because the manager is now more concerned about what the promoter thinks of him and appeasing the promoter than he does his own his own fighter. And the promoter rewards that manager by because they keep their fighters in line and, and have them do exactly what the promoter wants. What is the number one thing you would do to fix boxing? Well, that's a good one because I think the number one thing to do is, is basically what we talk about the sanctuaries organizations, make the ratings more objective. If the ratings are more objective, right? Uh, then the, the, the fighters that deserve it, the boxers that deserve it would rise to the ranks and, and rise to the top. And then you would have people that put their life, they're, they're, you know, they're all their energy into being a fighter, spent all this time, they would be rewarded. Now, sometimes it would be a negative for the fans because the best, the guys that would rise to the top of the ratings isn't the fighter that we would want to see the most. But I think it would be the best overall would be the best because in the long run, we talk about boxers having more leverage. They would even have more leverage here because the promoters, opposing promoters, couldn't counter their rise in the ratings by bribing a sanctioning organization, by using their own influence. And on top of that, beyond the, the ratings being a more objective, have the title obligation strictly enforced. So that goes hand in hand with that. The ratings are objective. We rate people based on their actually objective wins, the rating, you know, rising in the ranks. 
And on top of that, when you win a title, here are the rules you have to do to enforce to hold that title, and you have to do it. And so you're 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 if you're going to be a champion. Now, what's good? What, what I like about that is, I don't think boxers should be made to fight. You know, like MMA always say, it's great because the UFC can make the fights we want. They can force people to fight. I don't think we should be forcing fighters to fight. If a fighter doesn't want to fight someone for whatever reason, they shouldn't have to. But if you have a champion, a championship comes with obligations. That means you have to fight the number one mandatory challenger. You have to or you're stripped. Now, if you don't want to fight them, then step aside and drop the title. That's 100% fair. Uh, Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis, there was no title on the line. They made a ton of money. They should be allowed to do that. You know, Canelo Alvarez is a big star. Mayweather was a massive star, didn't need the belt. But some fighters need that title to, to make money, to actually sell a fight, to, to get renown and attention. And it's I think it's unfair that big-name fighters that could probably sell without the title – uh, that they're that we let them because the sanction organizations love the fees they collect from the bigger fighters that sell more. We let them hold on to a title, deny other people. So that would be my big fix. The big problem, the number one thing we could do to fix it. Now, how do we do that? That's the question. How may do we do that? May I ask so, a quick question, go, sir? Go ahead. When you're talking about the, those titles, would Andy Ruiz be a good example of a fighter that needed a title? To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, MusicBee, RSS Radio, IMDb, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, the Sixth Round Retro, the Show Money Podcast, the MMA Depressed Us, exclusive fighter interviews, and the return of the MMA Bunker.